0: Okay, this is going to be fun. Uh, I am privileged to have as my guest today, uh, Glenn Kaiser from Chicago, from former res band. And uh, uh, oh gosh, I won't even start with this guy, because we'll spend 30 minutes with him and you'll find out everything you need to know. So uh, Glenn, welcome and uh we want to talk about well you know there's been so much looking back at the jesus movement lately we've got two or three four movies that i can think of love songs working on one and uh you got the the new jesus revolution thing coming around in february and suddenly everybody is talking about The Jesus movement. Well, we want to talk about it too, but we don't want to talk about mainly for the purpose of just going back and remembering all the good vibes, um, or remembering when our life was changed. And all those are hugely significant. But but what we want to do is look at those things about the Jesus movement that are helpful to us today in the world that we live in because many of them were prophetic and many of them, I believe are, are still uh, still going on. So we wanna, that's what we want to do. Um, and, uh, but just to give it a little context um, because I really didn't hear about you until later. But uh, you know, into the seventies maybe. But I know you were you were involved in the very beginnings. And and so, like when when did your you were we were talking a little bit about your your conversion experience and and uh,
1: well, classic when did that hip- happen and right yeah well classic sixties hippie drug sex music yeah. <laughs> uh, sang played guitar in bands from the time I was thirteen up uh, two weeks before my 18th birthday, uh, is when I came to know Jesus in a, in a rocking personal way. And I mean, I, as I was telling you a moment ago, I was more shocked. My, my friends were all flipping shocked and I was shocked. I mean, I, you know, I, I never had anything to do with God or really the church or anything and didn't really think much about spirituality or religion. And, and I, but I was an addict by that time. And, um, you know, more is never enough. And uh, after s- three really horrible trips, and basically hating hating the world, hating myself, what I'd become, that I couldn't control the addictions. You know, I mean, I was right on the edge of full-blown alcoholism, every kind of drug you could think, any way you could do it, except needles. And I was right at at the point of shooting smack. I was right there, ready to go. And um, when I'd been like six years old, some sweet little ladies hauled me off to a vacation Bible school in a little church in South Central Wisconsin. Now, I grew up in Wisconsin, conservative farm country, but my dad got sick, lost everything. My mom moved down to Milwaukee, the big city, to make, make payments on it. We had you know debt to here and there. Dad kept getting sicker, three operations. We lost everything. And my mother committed adultery, and the, the marriage blew up. So I'm nine years old. My brother and I ended up moving down to Milwaukee with my mother. And I'm telling you almost immediately, dope, not dope, but sex and music. And then eventually dope. Because I ended up with in bands with people a lot older than me. And it killed me. It was just destroying me. So on this particular night, after several months of God knocking on my door, it, it really would take half an hour just to go down the list. Mm. Sometimes when I was absolutely ripped, and sometimes when i was as straight as could be and totally sober god showed up and one night i said who are you i mean just like i know you're here boom john 3:16. that scripture these ladies had me memorize all those years ago just flashed i hadn't thought of that verse mm. in all those years and that was about it i had nothing else to do with the church or christianity and it was just like a lightning i mean it was just are you kidding i've been destroying myself and it took about three seconds. And here, and I understood, John, I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. I hadn't read that scripture yet. But I realized this is like uh, Glenn, Glenn no more God in, in Glenn's life. God is God. There's one. And, and I get it. And I realized what Jesus had done for me on the cross. And I believe he, was, I believe he walked out of the grave. How could, you know, how could I be so crazy? to be chasing my tail and destroying myself and taking people down with me. I'd been doing it for you know for a long time there, even though I was that young. Anyway, then I started to find out about the Jesus movement on the West Coast. Hmm. And there really was a move of the spirit of God around the whole world and all hmm. over this country. And in the Midwest, there were a bunch of little coffee houses that sprang up. And in Milwaukee, we had the Jesus Christ powerhouse, hmm. the JC powerhouse, and the Jesus people in Milwaukee and uh it was pretty interesting because i think the most mature you know oldest in the lord you know spiritual spiritually speaking or maybe a little over a year old in walking with jesus um but we linked up with a bunch of churches all over town and some actually opened the doors some were actually willing to, to link up with us and you know and then others wanted to give us what we call the left foot of fellowship you know you look weird you sound weird you got long hair you're playing rock music you know blah 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 and um but i mean immediately we started sharing the good news of jesus in the street uh, university campuses uh, and all over the place at very dead dry churches and a lot of the kids were, were coming to faith it was not that big of a deal when we did something in a church to do a few songs share a little of what Jesus had done in our lives. And like half the place comes forward to pray, to receive the Lord and to walk with him. So it was like, you know, I remember early Petra and their live concerts, like with Res Band, Resurrection Band, which we started that up in December of 71. We did shows together in the early days. And I was so excited when their album came out, but live, they rocked. And in the Midwest, I mean, I loved Love Song. We had all, you know, I played that album to death. And, uh, early days, first couple songs we, we learned were from Love Song. Uh, but there were very few Jesus music bands that, that really rocked hard. And, and we did pretty early. I mean, you never heard Oh Happy Day until you regress Band do it, I guess. And it's a little intense.
0: <laughs>
1: I remember some gray-haired deacons with pompadours literally running down an aisle of a church in South Bend you're out of here! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the kids were jumping up, dancing, and like they, you know, it was like it was just like boom, you know, just like that. But the older church folks were freaking out. Well, I mean, you know, of course. I mean, of course. I mean, just the cultural, the cultural differences from yeah. 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 a bunch of long-haired Jesus freaks. Yeah. And this was more, you know, culturally conservative Midwest. This wasn't San
0: Francisco. Well. So, yeah. What was. Which brings up the question of what was was countercultural about the Jesus movement?
1: Well, Well, most of us had come out of drugs at that point. That group of people in those first days, that first year or more, most of us were, I would say 85% of us or more would have been classed as hippies. We were counterculture because we were for peace, not for war, not Vietnam or any other war. Um, we saw racism. Uh, we, you know, this had been right after a couple of years where there had been quote-unquote race riots, where the white slum lords uh, who were making a buck off of black poor black folks in the inner cities, so the black folks were starting to protest and light fires, uh, burn places up. You know, it was like we have got to change. The system is is corrupt, and it's about making money, not Caring about people's lives. And so all of that affected how we thought. A lot of it brought us to do more and more dope until we finally came to know Jesus in a real way, a personal way. But there was something, there was something about, I mean, even the way we looked, the way we played, you know, the music that we did, even the, the more mellow folk rock, there was a, a level, I think, of, of intimacy. Um, And I'm not just, you know, I'm talking about all the bands I knew that were out there. And then we had another one called The Sheep, um, a a lady who had sung lead in It's a Beautiful Day for several years, came back to Milwaukee to shoot heroin and die. I mean, she was a junkie. Mm. And one of the local Jesus freaks kept showing up and she had a big bowl of dope and she, you know, like M&M's, you know, just and he, he would come in, and he kept coming in day after day, sharing the gospel with his Bible, sharing with her. And finally, one day to get rid of him, she prayed, mm. Jesus, come into my life, you know, set me free. Do what you want to do. And she was straight. Boom. I went through two of those situations exactly like that prior to really coming to the Lord and, and, and surrendering to him. And so, you know, mm. she ended up singing lead in this Christian folk rock band. But I saw, our, like our coffee house, wall to wall freaks, long hair, you know, bell bottoms, barefoot, people sleeping under the bushes in the park, uh, showing up at, we played, you know, there were, there were street parties all over Milwaukee and Madison, mad city. So all of a sudden here are these Jesus hippies who are sharing the good news. I mean, well, one example And in counterculture, it was like in coming to the Lord, I smoked a whole lot of hash one weekend. And this is after I'd made a commitment to him. And my my cousin's band was called Misery's Sons. And and we were. And we were all ripped. As about, I don't know, a couple thousand, something like that, a little over, maybe 3,000 people. At what we call People's Park at the lakefront in Milwaukee. This is before I joined the Jesus people, just a few months, maybe five, four four months. So we were in one of the last bands to play, and we knew the cops might come and shut it all down. so i'm I'm standing out there loaded, and I break down and go, I mean, the the Lord just said, "What are you doing? You, you know, you, I've called you to serve me." Here you are getting high again. It was just direct in my heart, in my mind, out of nowhere. I'd been hitting wine and smoking ash all day. And I just broke down and started weeping and started apologizing and, you know, repenting on the spot, just asking forgiveness. Which was also pretty counterculture because a lot of times the church didn't talk about repenting, about changing, about growing up. You know, it was like pray the prayer, you're saved. End of discussion. Well, mm-hmm. a lot of the Jesus people I hung out with, you uh, wouldn't. Some of them, some of us, I was, at times legalistic, but really, there was this level of, if you're going to play rock, turn the stinking amp up and and hit the strings, you know yeah it should be distorted and loud and in your face that's real rock it's authentic it's genuine same thing about spirituality and walking with jesus for so many of us right so here i am repent i broke down and wept and i didn't cry very often i'm in front of all these people in my cousin's band we're about to get on the stage and i'm losing it he looks at me and says are you okay i'm like yeah i said mike i'm going to change the lyrics today he said, i don't care i mean <laughs> we got up there and we're singing like Jeff Beck and Hendrix and Alvin Lee and 10 years after and blues rock stuff and our own originals. I'm singing about Jesus. The, the lyrics are rhyme. Oh, what I didn't tell you is, but after I said, please forgive me. I You're right. I shouldn't have been doing this. What am I doing? And I ask forgiveness and I'm praying and I'm crying. And in a split second, I look up and I realize I'm straight. Like I hadn't smoked a joint nothing i mean no 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 ash no wine boom sober that's it never felt another sense of being loaded the entire day the rest of the day we get up there we do about six songs the cops come close the whole thing we jump in a van in a car throw the gear in you never saw a stage emptied that quick and spun out it had been i remember the grass was muddy we he takes me out to my mom's house where i was living at the time is it just like i say several months before i joined jesus people in milwaukee moved in full time he pulls up to my driveway i open the door put my feet on the gravel turn around and say mike i can't do this anymore i made a commitment to the lord in january and i'm i can't do this anymore i'm either going to sing and play for jesus or i'm not going to do anything he looked at me like what and we had some offers and there were some possibilities and we started to, you know, be known and do, you know, more shows, larger gigs around town. And he started cursing a blue streak. And I went, I know you don't understand. I'm sorry. And he shut the door and walked down the driveway. I mean, you know, the counterculture, I believe, John, finally got down to who's who's for real.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not, I mean, we all we lived in fantasy you know you're getting drunk and you're getting high all the time who knows what's? I mean I remember walking down the street by my house and so happy that there was a real tree I walked up and hugged and put my face against it because for a couple of years there I might have hallucinated that there was even a tree in that guy's yard I mean it you know so the sense of reality and I think that people pick that up well I know they did in the parks and the street and the churches anywhere we go flatbed trailer in an a and p parking lot all over the midwest i mean it didn't matter whatever we had an opp- opportunity to share jesus we would do it yeah. which was very unlike frankly a lot of the church folks yeah. uh, i remember lapsed pastors who had had made commitments way you know like 30 years ago broke down uh they end up in our concerts i remember one guy said well i'm not going to say what denomination nomination but he said man y'all gotta join us <laughs> i mean we saw a lot of transformation happening and what's really cool john is to this day i get emails you know direct messages sometimes a letter sometimes a phone call you don't remember me probably you might not remember this gig y'all played blah 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 my life was changed some of these folks were also countercultural. Some of them weren't. But something, and I would have to say it's someone, I think the Holy Spirit touched people. And I think the integrity factor, I think the genuineness and the boldness, when it wasn't, you know, like a legalistic, we're going to set you straight, but this is the truth. Yeah. This is what Jesus is doing in us. I, look, I'm, I ask for, when people would say, like I said, hypocrisy, I go, yeah, man, I, I repent every day. I mean, I I don't have to get saved again, but I do have to ask forgiveness. I'm dealing with, and it's not just making mistakes. Sometimes I sin. Sometimes we we'll make stupid
0: choices. Well, um, now let's bring it, let's just talk about today. Uh this is uh one thing that's it's it's amazing, I think, about you and your ministry of all the people that I know that were involved back then uh, you have stayed on with with this pretty much in what you were doing, you know i mean it, it's really not changed and and i i have I have a thought that the jesus movement is it's still going on I mean Jesus moves you know and and so i w- I would like you some of your thoughts about what is countercultural today about is there something countercultural about well, Jesus yeah of course. Any day you, of course you are of course more is never enough
1: and so much of the western world and more and more not just the western world world on this planet is is glutted trying to get stuff they don't need spend money they don't have uh materialism is rarely discussed among christians in the churches and it absolutely destroys people i mean lust of the eyes lust of the flesh pride of life same old stuff and so yeah, I mean, we skip over that stuff in the scripture, in the four gospels. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. I mean, come on. Jesus says it straight up. Store up your treasures in heaven. Nah. Build bigger barns like the fool who, you know, what you're going to lose your soul tonight. What are you going to give in exchange for your soul, for your life? You can't. So the, the, the problem, John, is I already read that. You know, I heard somebody talk about that 40 years ago or whatever. Look, let's be honest. A lot of the Jesus people, I could care less. I mean, we're we're called Jesus people USA. All right. That's our first mission field is the United States. right? But we're about Jesus and we're about people. And in our case here in uptown in the inner city, it's the poor. So we deal with the homeless shelter and we do all the ministry that we do. People under the bridges and folks needing food and clothing and housing and shelter and so on. Uh, when we open a fair trade coffee shop, it's fair trade. We're, we're, you know, the, we're able to, to do things with people in South America that nobody deals with, and they're they're genuine, and they're dirt poor, and they they need people to come alongside, and they pr- produce wonderful coffee. All right. So we named our coffee shop Everybody's Coffee. In fact, the slogan that I absolutely love, and I, they might have got it from somewhere else, I don't know. Filter coffee, not people. <laughs> See we're so afraid that the bad stuff's going to get on us. When Jesus said the bad stuff that's in us comes out of the heart. And so it's also quite countercultural to deal with inner heart stuff, attitudes. Yeah. Yeah. Unforgiveness. Yeah. Uh looking down your nose at somebody of a different color, a different ethnicity. Uh maybe they didn't vote the same as you. Who are the least of these? That Jesus talks about in matthew twenty five i would I would suggest that the least of these are the people that I think least about, of and think are the least worthy of my time and my effort and my sacrifice. these people whatever they 're probably predestined to damnation or something you know whatever you can you can go down this bizarre list in your head to exonerate yourself from personal responsibility of actually loving <laughs> what's love look like it looks like that it looks like jesus on the cross and the problem is is that we're not countercultural in the churches when we're not we're afraid we want to be safe um we you know uh, look i'm you know i'm sure you probably by now you're you're a grandfather i am mm-hmm. we got kids we're worried about their their health and their welfare we want them to have more than we had, and so forth. Well, that's not entirely wrong, but the problem is, is you begin to feed right into status quo. And what the Jesus movement—all I'm—I'm going to say 98 percent, maybe on the low end, 95 percent of what happened in the Jesus movement was not status quo. You know, what the average, sort of, popular, largely white. Uh, middle and upper middle class, mainstream Christianity. Some of those churches definitely, as time went on, opened the door. But so many of them, they wanted nothing to do with these people. And sometimes they thought people like us were competition. In our case, from Milwaukee right on through the traveling team and now you know, based in Chicago since uh, 73, early 73, I love quoting Revelation. Hear what the Spirit says to the church is plural. Not church, churches. These are my brothers and sisters. I have in part, we have in part, we all have in part. So who's got it all? Who knows it all? Who's got perfect theology, perfect doctrine, perfect everything? No, it's flawless, sinless, literally, like God in this life, in this in this walk on this earth. See, that's a, that's a that's nonsense. That's a game. That's ridiculous. So the problem is. When, I, when, I, when you talk to counter, counterculture with me, my brain goes, it goes way beyond culture. Although, although culture is involved. So I get to do this now, you know, I, I get to do all this and, you know, I you walk in the door. I got the ponytail going and, you know, look like a biker. And sometimes I literally, I mean, I do bike shows and blues clubs and do all sorts of stuff. I'm going into prisons. Man, they can, take you apart in about three seconds all they want the first thing they want to know are you for real are you trying to sell me something what 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 do you want out of us what's all this about because so many people are selling something to gain something i love it when apostle paul said i don't want yours i want you Hmm. it's relationship with god and relationship with people on an honest and voluntary basis and without that it becomes this little game of let's you know how much more can we stuff in the in the bank uh how many more records can we sell uh how many more human beings can we get to sit in the seats jesus leaves in 99 and he goes after the one it's a whole completely different approach to serving whoever happens to be around and the least of these usually get served least so So, yeah it's all counterculture because it runs against popularity
0: yeah i don't really i don't give a rip i can care less oh true true christianity is countercultural that's really what we're saying at any any generation at any time
1: you know jesus calls the holy spirit several things He calls God the spirit, the the, the character, the nature of God, God the spirit comes into the life of a follower of Jesus Christ to fill. Now there has to be some emptying going on too, but to fill. And Jesus calls him the comforter, the helper, and he calls him the spirit of truth, not the spirit of personal opinion or conjecture. But the spirit of truth, and he so said, when he comes, he's going to remind you of everything i've mm-hmm. commanded you he's going to bring to your remembrance, to your memory, you know the stuff i've told you, and he by the spirit were made new, new, well, of course, that gets up the nose of people who kind of like their self centered fairly you know okay, this is nice and stable here and you know, you've heard the old saying that, you know, you have to go somewhere with a ship, you have to get out of the harbor because ships, the boats were made to to float, to sail, to move. Well, of course, you get out of the harbor, here comes storms. And um, hmm. one of the, somebody said years ago, what's the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit? And somebody else said, trouble. <laughs> 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 because you know the Lord's gonna—he won't do it every moment—but it's, it's gonna impress on you to move beyond your comfort zone. All of that's countercultural. All of that is the comforter. The comforter wants to move Glenn to this day outside of Glenn's comfort zone. I, I mean, I see it all the time. It happens all the time. Wow. And, and but it's about it's about Jesus and people, not about what I call the unholy Trinity—me, myself, and I—and <laughs> and me, myself, and I tend to be very status quo. Don't rock the boat. Don't freak out the other people on your block or in your neighborhood. You know, this this. What's this going to cost me? If I if I reach out in love, you know. What's that? If I have two coats, give one to him who has none. If somebody asks me to walk a mile, walk two. What? Yeah. What? Give and it shall be given unto you, pressed down shaken together, and running over. People are gonna pour it back into your lap. I mean, I mm. I did a gig a few weeks back mm. in Ohio, and it so happens there's a resurrection band, a res band cover band. That's not all they do, but largely that it is. And they got three flaming guitarists, and one of them is a pastor. So they, they had a huge crowd. I really was surprised. I mean, it was amazed how many people showed up At the end of the night. I finished cleaning up and putting stuff together. And my wife's there, Wendy comes up, she jumped up. We did a couple of Resgate gig songs together. And I played blues mainly solo. And I jammed with the band on a song. So everybody walks in the back room and I'm ready to roll out the door with my roller bag and my, one of the guitars, I brought one guitar. I got a couple of cigar boss guitars and, uh, the pastor walks up with a big grin and he's holding a guitar. Now, what he didn't know is he was up on stage doing sound check. Wendy and I are alone as I'm changing my clothes before the gig to do a sound check after them. Nobody was in the room but Wendy and myself. She there's a bunch of guitars up on the wall of his office. And she says, Which one of those is your favorite? And I said, That gold one, because it's got a P90 pickup, this particular sound. I've played them a lot, but I've never had one. I love that. Thought about getting them off and on. In fact, I thought about it in the last couple of months. Nobody knew this. Here we go, ready to leave back to the hotel and then drive back to Chicago the next day. Pastor standing there, holding that very guitar with a big grin saying, I want you to have this. And I'm like, I got a lot of guitars, bro. I mean, thank you. That's so sweet of you, but I, I really do have a lot of guitars. He goes, yeah, but I don't think you, do you have a, one with a P90? nobody said anything he had i mean what i mean it's give and it shall be given unto you i mean i've seen god again and again go forget about all the stuff and all the trappings i know your needs before you ask trust me walk with me Mm -hmm. trust me obey me in love obey me reach out Pour, pour your life out I've I've been seeing stuff like this go on. I mean, well, over fifty years, over fifty years. Yeah.
0: How yeah. have you? Uh, I can't believe our time is almost over. But um, you have you have remained consistent, Glenn, in many ways. I'm not I'm not trying to blow your horn here, but. Um, i repent every day believe me john i'm quite aware of sin and struggle in my life and
1: i just i just got through talking to one of our pastors about it yesterday hey pray with me on this one (laughs) you know struggles temptations oh yeah
0: oh yeah Yeah. accountability Yeah. yeah yeah but you know christianity what we're looking at right now with christian nationalism and all the political stuff and Boy, I mean, you just put an album out called Swamp Gas Messiah. They just flew in the face <laughs> and all that. Huh? Well, and history, isn't, isn't that right? Don't we have to, in some way, be countercultural about our faith, too? Uh, about what Christianity really looks like? This would be the... I would answer your question
1: with a question. What prophet... Either in the old or the new testament was status quo. What prophet ever said or wrote or did any major anything? They were not I mean, even jo- even Jonah. Jonah ran the other way. I mean, how yeah. many Jonas do you think there are in the churches? So this has been going on for forever, right? But the issue is are we just wasting our time keeping up with the joneses who are the joneses <laughs> jesus died for the joneses too what about them and i so yeah swamp gas messiahs was simply really a lot of it was a history lesson that i just thought you know what i thought i've been thinking about this stuff from before i came to know the lord i i studied history uh you know U.S. history, local history, world history, uh, state of Illinois, Chicago history. I love history. I've, the history of wars and warfare, huge on all that right up until I came to the Lord. And within a few years of coming to the Lord, I continued to dig back into those areas. And I just think so many believers around the world, but certainly in the U.S., are so ignorant, so flaming ignorant and they believe, well, they're gullible. There's a gullibility, and there's a, you know, could there ever be a crooked cop? Aren't all the cops pristine and pure? Could there ever be a, a crooked politician, a liar, who basically tells people what they want to hear, for their to be in power and to save their own bacon? I mean, what? So everybody's motive is a look. I've been in in prisons and jails all over the world. I meet godly, genuine followers of Jesus, you know, wearing the uniform and the ba- same in the military. I've been, on, I'm about to go back up the Great Lakes as soon as the door opens for the naval base to do concerts and share the gospel up there. You know, are all these people genuine, honest, real deal people? None of them are ever corrupt. None of them play the game to simply get ahead in their career. None of them lie about anybody under them they don't abuse people they they're, they're all right they're righteous in all their ways well come on we know that that's not true about pastors and i've been a pastor most of my life now okay come on come on come on come on so i'll say it nicely there's an old western called outlaw Josie wales it's an old Clint Eastwood movie and at one point one of the guys realizes somebody's playing a game and and something bad's about to happen and some guy basically just rattles off a line and the other guy he knows full well it's nonsense and i'll say it nicely okay i won't say it in a rude way don't go wee-wee down my back and tell me it's raining <laughs> and studying history and i mean from a broad range of of perspectives and, and scholarship, way back when these people weren't all leftists and they weren't all right. And I see the confirmation again and again about what really went down. And what really went down is we want control. Mm-hmm. And we still do. Mm-hmm. I, again, part of the problem with the Jesus movement, even the Jesus movement leaders who blew it and who fell away, who backslid, who, who lapsed in their faith, mm-hmm. was exactly what we saw in the more traditional churches. And we still see all this today. In contemporary ministry, as well as in the more traditional you know, church ministries. Lack of accountability, lack of honesty, lack of openness, lack of willingness to link up with people unlike them. Lack of willingness to fess up and talk straight about issues in their own personal life.
0: Mm.
1: Like I said, I just got through talking with one of our pastors. In fact, it wasn't yesterday, it was this morning. And, um, you know, I, we regularly get together and talk. And I, this is an area I'm getting tempted in. Or I, I began to cross, the, cross the, the fence on this one in my thoughts, my eyes, whatever it might be, you know, attitude, uh, behavior. And we talk and we pray for each other. And it's what it says, confess your faults. Uh, Amplified says your, your moral slips to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. All that's countercultural because often the church, we don't do it. Often the leaders don't do it. So what I'm going to say, John, is that's no different than outside the church. Hmm. If people inside the church, which, by the way, the New Testament, Paul calls the church the pillar and ground of the truth, Hmm. not the pillar and ground of nationalism, not the pillar and ground of salute a flag, the pillar and ground of the truth. And Jesus in John seventeen verse seventeen says, "Sanctify them, separate them from the rest of the world through the truth." In his prayer to the Father, goes, "Your word is truth." So this issue of not just knowing or believing that the Bible is the word of God and that it's the truth, but it's application. It's like this. It's the same old story. You got fifteen guitars and you never practice. Are you a guitarist? I mean, it's it's application. It's don't love in word or tongue, but in deed and in truth. I mean, it's, it's right there in 1 John. So the, the problem for so many then and now and in the future, if you're not willing to walk the walk, if you're not serious about walking with Jesus and really pouring yourself out for others, it's going to be about you. Isn't that what got us addicted back in the day? Wow! Isn't that what? Yeah. Isn't that? Doesn't that? You wouldn't call it an ethic because it's really not an ethic. Well, mm-hmm. it's a concept that that destroyed so many of us, and a lot of people didn't make it out. A lot of people overdosed and died. A, a suicide it happens in the church too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it. whether we're talking mental illness, which that, that's not a pain. I mean, that's not a, a sin issue at all. But the combination of physiological, biological problems, the the struggle in the world, and then you want control. And if you can't have it, then these people are your enemy. When that stuff happens in the church, it rips churches apart. I've seen it all over the world for over 50 years. So the the issue, John, is you're gonna be different. You're gonna pay the price. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter. You're gonna pay it anyway. Mm -hmm. So either you're gonna walk with the Lord and, and try to do as the scriptures, all you do in love. All you do, even when you have to say no, sometimes the Lord says, You can't do that, Glenn. Yeah, that's going too far. What about your family? Look at the calendar. You're gonna to have to tell them maybe we have to rearrange the date, or maybe you just can't do this. So even jumping on opportunities at times, you know, it's just all of it's counter-cultural.
0: So much of it is, Glenn. Thank you, thank you so much, and thanks for <laughs> your life, and thanks for staying, staying true yourself, and struggling with it all the way, all the way along, yeah. telling us about that too. I just thank you. Yeah, you're welcome, John. <laughs> yeah, we'll do some more of this. We'll have to. Yeah, okay. I could be the
1: fourth. I could be the fourth stooge. You know.
0: <laughs>
1: God bless. <laughs> God bless Bless you. you, my friend. Thank you. Keep on. Keep on. Keep. Yep. And you. And you. All right.